Hi, we're Visible, the wireless company with nothing to hide. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for $25 a month, taxes and fees included. Sorry, hidden fees, we're just not into you. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your fine Bills-related podcasts. We are so happy, however you found us, that you took the time to stumble upon Believe and hearing the thoughts on the Buffalo Bills by myself, John Boccasino, and my colleague and co-host, Jamie D'Amico, who is back after a week off. Jamie, glad to have you back here in the air chair talking Bills football. Man, it's just not the same when I'm not around for a Believe podcast. But So this is completely, completely out of the blue to you, and you are not expecting this. Do you remember in the past when I hit you with the Bills trivia uh, from my Who's the Man uh, trivia stack over here? Yeah, man, I I I do. I I I love uh, Bill's trivia, and I'm not sure how I fared the last time we did this, but hey, fire away! You did pretty good. Now I'm giving you a hint out of the gate. You're gonna have to go back in time for this one, but hint number one: he played tight end at the Citadel, where he led the nation in touchdown receptions his senior season. What is our category? Uh, this is Buffalo Bills players. All right. Any 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 area in particular? You said tight end, right? A tight end who went to the Citadel. Did he play tight end for the Bills? No. Or is that a trick part of the question? No, that's a trick part of the question. He did not. He played, if I'm correct, he played linebacker and punter. Man, now I kind of feel like I cheated by asking you the positional clarification because there's not too many Bills who have donned both the punter jersey and and starred at linebacker, I I think I got it. Who is it? It is the man, the myth, the legend, the former NBC sports broadcaster, Paul McGuire. Yes, that is exactly <laughs> it. You got it after one hint, buddy. So, well, the, the punter the... and the linebacker thing kind of. I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I'm. My wife and I are always chatting if we're like watching some TV show or whatever, there's like a trivia and like I can, I have, I have a pretty random brain when it comes to, to trivia and random facts. So uh, I like these little tests every now and then. Well, you know, the second hint is actually a very good one. Um, it's something that I didn't know about him, but Paul McGuire was one of only 20 players who were in the AFL for its entire 10 year existence. Damn. See, that's a good nugget right there. Were there any other, yeah. uh, any other bills on that list? Oh, you know, I I don't know. I I don't know about that. We'll table that for next week's Believe. I like your trivia efforts. (laughs) But check this out. He played in six of the 10 AFL championship games, three with the Chargers and three with the Bills. You know, Paul McGuire, very underrated career. And when you factor in both the playing accomplishments and, again, the notoriety of being a broadcaster, he's he's someone that Bills fans and football fans have known for, you know, four plus decades. That's pretty impressive. 
Yeah, and I loved him as an announcer. You know, whenever he was like, no, no, let me tell you what just happened. I'll tell you what now. It, it just cracked me up. <laughs> yeah, he had that very folksy, that very, like, you could see him being on, like, a bar stool at your watering hole and just saying the same facts that he would be saying in front of the national audience on TV. Oh, you're so right about that. That's the key of and a him, big broadcaster. <laughs> him teamed up with the Marv Albert was just a thing of beauty in the broadcast booth. You could just tell that Paul really enjoyed what he did. You know what I mean? Like a legendary broadcaster. I, the Bills, man. Like I don't know. They, we've had we've been very fortunate with the people we've produced that have been broadcasters. And of course, Van Miller is the ultimate standard bearer and John Murphy's doing a great job. I feel like now with the bills, but Paul McGuire, just a legend. Yes, absolutely. And you know, OJ Simpson was very good in the studio and in front of the camera. Um, I love Steve Tasker as a player. I don't love him as an announcer, but he seems to be much better on like one bills live and that kind of thing than he was doing the, uh, doing the network broadcast where he was a color commentator. You know, it's, it's, it's different strokes and different situations for those broadcasters. And, you know, I, I respect the opinion. I think that, you know, Tasker has a wealth of knowledge and get that man in the hall of fame yesterday. But yes, why is this such a controversial topic? Like, why is it that we're so reluctant to admit special teamers are great at what they do? Hey, if you're going to admit, announcers to the hall of fame why can't you have a special teamer in there isn't joe buck a hall of famer somehow joe buck in fact i i will give credit there was a a a gif or a meme or whatever it was that the circling the wagons podcast folks put out on twitter and it was basically wait a minute joe buck is in the hall of fame and steve tasker is not what the hell is wrong with this picture (laughs) (laughs) you know buddy i'm thinking that um yeah which is always a dangerous proposition but i'm yeah don't do that i'm thinking before the season starts or maybe during the bye week we bang out a great podcast on why steve tasker belongs to be in the hall of fame i like that idea i very much like that idea and maybe we can get the man himself on to join us like circling the wagons did a couple of weeks ago they had a great conversation with Steve Tasker must listen, go check it out on all your podcasting platforms. But, you know, Jamie, our fans here on believe we, they, they come to expect us to have some organized chaos when it comes to our uh, podcast here. We've kind of hit on a bunch of little random fun topics and trivia so far, starting off um, believe, but this week, you know, I know that Buffalo uh, bills fans and Buffalonians love to celebrate 716 day, the annual July 16th. There's celebrations of Buffalo and Western New York and all the culture and everything that comes from this great part of the country. I propose a new national holiday, 86. 86. Oh, I know what you're talking about right there. Is that the day Josh Allen signed his extension? What you'll never forget where you were when you heard the news that Brandon Bean worked his magic yet again, a six-year extension, $258 million, 150 mil guaranteed. Josh Allen will be your quarterback in Buffalo through the 2028 season. Hallelujah. It's so nice to have a good quarterback locked in. However, and I know this is not what we're dedicating this show to, 
I would have waited till after the season. Really? Why? Why is that? Because his first two seasons in the league, Josh Allen was not that good of a quarterback. Last season, he was absolutely lights out, but we've seen what happens when you give a quarterback money prematurely. You saw it with Derek Anderson, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff. I want to see him do it twice because even if there's other quarterbacks that are going to get contracts like Lamar Jackson and your boy in Cleveland, I just don't think that the price tag would go up all that much. So instead of you know, 150 million guaranteed, maybe goes up to 165 million. But at that point, what the hell's the difference? It's a small percentage increase. It's interesting. Um, and yeah, this is not the whole theme of our pod this week um, about Josh Allen, but I, I did want to get your thoughts on it. I, I for me, the, the biggest reason I, I don't honestly have very little concern that Josh is going to regress. Uh, I feel like Yes, the rest of the league is going to have another year to study tape and get his tendencies down. But the biggest knocks on him, including his not succeeding when facing pressure, he put those to bed last year. I thought that that was a really impressive, and I get it, you want to see another year. I don't think this is not akin to when the Bills gave Ryan Fitzpatrick that $60 million extension on the strength of five games. You know, um, And I feel like this is different than... Um, the extensions that Jared Goff and Carson Wentz and Derek Anderson and all the other quarterbacks, Jake DeLome, you know, I feel like what Josh Allen did, what he put to paper, like the Bills, I'm actually happy they worked out a contract. I think the value is there at 43 mil per season. I know it's more than Dak Prescott, which is justifiably so because Josh is a much better quarterback than Dak Prescott, but I feel like the potential is there for this to look like a bargain in a couple of years, especially when you factor in the new TV contract that's coming, that's going to make the salary cap go skyrocketing. And this is really a reset of the quarterback market. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like the bills did the right thing, getting Josh locked up before the season. It also takes away a distraction. I mean, the last thing you want is, and Josh would probably never admit it, but you know, this could have been a distraction uh, heading into the season. And then what if he gets hurt? What if his play dips temporarily? And now they're like, oh man, maybe Josh starts pressing things. Maybe Josh starts trying to force it to really justify that contract. I just feel like this allows the team and the star franchise quarterback to go out there unfettered and just kick ass this year. I thought that you could hear from my biased perspective, you could hear the audible sigh of relief from Buffalo to D.C. when the Bills worked out this deal yet Friday afternoon. I thought it was a great move. I know your question is valid about continuing to build upon. I mean, did you know that Josh Allen is one of only three other quarterbacks in the last 20 years who saw his completion percentage go up by 10 points or more in a season? I mean, it's remarkable. Yeah, and you know, some of the others who did it were not very good players. It's interesting. Like Geno Smith was one of them. Oh God. I just, I just threw up in my mouth. I heard it. Oh, that's a terrible <laughs> comp. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But you know, you have to have been really bad in order to have that level of improvement. 
Because Josh Allen's completion percentage in the 50s, that's really bad. He was not good in his first two seasons. There were glimmers of quality play in there. And in his second season, you could definitely see that he was coming to life as a leader and the team was rallying around him. He was showing signs of the player that he was going to be, but he was not that player. He was not that player until he stepped on the field in 2020. And, you know, I I don't mind saying that going into this past season, I had my doubts. How much can this guy go? How, how much can he improve when he goes out there on the field in, in plays again? You know, 57% is his completion rate first season, 59% the second season. And they always say you can't improve accuracy. Well, apparently you can, and it's been done. And the the Buffalo Bills apparently were smarter than literally everyone out there. And like a tweet that I saw, um, they also defied mathematics. Yeah, <laughs> they they really did. And and coming at the figures that they did, it's going to prove to itself again be a really good deal. I feel like in the long term, if you want some great reading on the background of this contract. Matthew Fairburn put out an article for The Athletic that is tremendous that goes through the stress and duress that Brandon Bean was feeling to work out this deal. And he admitted that both sides wanted to get this done before the start of the season. It's an incredible read. It takes you in depth into this contract, the negotiations. And if you want to learn more about Josh Allen's progress in that completion percentage accuracy realm. There's another great article on The Athletic talking about technology that Josh Allen and Joe Burrow are using, working with Jordan Palmer to do something that was once unthinkable, improve their accuracy as a quarterback. It's a great read. I guarantee it's worth your time and you'll feel a little bit smarter and enlightened, which is really the goal here on Believe, Jamie. And I know that The Athletic is behind a paywall and people say, why would I pay for content? But between Matthew Fairburn and Joe Buscalia, you really have two of the best writers out there. I think my subscription is worth its weight in gold. Honestly, I would probably pay double or triple for it because I just, I absolutely love reading their content. They have some of the absolute best writers out there and and not, not just Bill's beat writers, but Everything, everything they write is really high quality. Oh yeah, it's worth their weight in gold. It's a great, great subscription service to go pay for. Pay a couple bucks a month, and again, you get fantastic content. And it's not like you're getting one or two articles a month. So it's it's great stuff out there. Check it out. Again, always check out Believe and Buffalo Rumblings for your free content. We're kind <laughs> yeah. of the lower class, lower tier, but our guys do fantastic work, uh, led by Matt Warren and his team with Buffalo Rumblings. Now, Jamie. Speaking yeah. of value and bang for the buck. Whoa, that was a hell of a segue. I tell you, I got my segue cap on today on this Saturday morning. Let us talk about this week's topic. And when it comes to the Buffalo Bills, clearly the most valuable, most important, most indispensable player on this Buffalo Bills team is Josh Allen, because as the quarterback goes, so too goes the franchise in this modern day NFL. When I say this week's topic is about most indispensable, I want your thoughts, Jamie, on one offensive and one defensive player for these current bills that you feel is the most integral, 
the most indispensable, meaning if that player gets hit by a truck, if that player gets sick, if that player is not able to play, his impact is greater than any of his other teammates on that side of the ball. So that's what we mean when we say indispensable. How does that work for you? That works very well for me. And it actually causes me to adjust um, the players I will select very slightly. And now I'm looking forward to how it measures up against the players who you have selected as the most indispensable. Well, I I, and I, I didn't want to throw you off guard, uh, but I wanted to clarify exactly what we're talking about when we say indispensable. and And that's why Josh Allen and any quarterback is taken out of the equation because as we saw with the Denver Broncos feeble effort against the Saints last year when they trotted out a fourth string practice squad quarterback, you can't win the game with a quarterback who is inept. So it made no sense to have Josh Allen in this conversation. But since you feel like you might be at a little disadvantage because I threw the terms out a little bit last minute, would you like to go first or do you want me to go first? I would like to go first because now I'm worried that you're going to steal mine. Well, you know what, buddy? (laughs) Imitation is the most sincere form of flattery, but I I will let you go first. You can even pick offense or defense. Uh, I I would like to start with the offense. And on the offense, I believe that due to this player's high level of play and the questionable backup scenario that they have that this year, the most indispensable non-Josh Allen player on offense is going to be Deion Dawkins. I should have snowed by now. (laughs) You should have (laughs) snowed. And and the, the reason I say that is because he is a high quality player, maybe top 10, maybe top 15, somewhere in there. He's not one of the best in the league, but he is very good at both pass blocking and run blocking. Now, the Buffalo Bills have their franchise quarterback out there, but you need to keep that quarterback clean in order for them to do the things that they need to do. And the backup situation is not a good one as we're seeing right now in camp uh your boy from the uh the Bengals there has been a turnstile uh it looks like the rookies aren't ready to go yet and that leaves you really with Ryan Bates to back up or maybe Daryl Williams could potential switch potentially switch sides of the line but I don't think he's really cut out for the left tackle the snowman to me is where it's at because on the other hand, I was going to talk about the other player I was going to select, but I'm going to hold off on that because I would like to find out the player that you believe is the most indispensable. Well, and, and this is for the fun of this exercise to give our listeners some background. Jamie and I both uh, chose two, uh, two on offense and two on defense on the chance that one took the other's suggestion. We wanted some good content and back and forth and not just a, oh, you're right. I would have chosen him too. I mean, clearly we do think alike on this podcast. And if I had my druthers, Dion would have been my pick too, because I feel like it's so hard to replicate finding that blindside protector and the bills don't have the dearth of depth at the position that I wish they did. Um, every team would love to have two very quality above average tackles on the left side to keep their quarterback 
upright, but Deion Dawkins is clearly a great choice. Jamie, I applaud you for your pick of him. I think it makes the most sense when you consider the positional scarcity behind him and just what a difference maker Dawkins is, especially for an offensive line that was really in flux last year with the amount of different players and different permutations and lineup changes that they did during the course of the season. Dion is invaluable, so I give you a lot of credit for him. Now that I had to choose somebody else uh, as my most indispensable Buffalo Bill, I am going with someone who really you cannot underestimate his importance to this offense and his importance to the team in general. It's all pro wideout Stefan Diggs. It's an easy no-brainer for me that Diggs would be that guy. Look, there's no doubt the Bills have a quality wide receiving core. For what it's worth, this unit, uh, top to bottom, has been ranked anywhere from fifth to first in the league when it comes to depth, when it comes to top-heavy and rotational players. And you got Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley and Gabe Davis and Emmanuel Sanders and Isaiah McKenzie and Isaiah Hodgins. And the list, and Jake Kumaro, who apparently is really making a push, uh, if you believe everything you're reading and seeing on social, to really make a spot on this roster. The Bills have an embarrassment of riches at the wide receiver position. Remember the days when the Bills had Kelvin Benjamin and Zay Jones as their starting wideouts? Oh, brother. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, it. it's unbelievable when you look at the season that Stephon Diggs had and think back a few years ago how the Bills wide receiver core in total had smaller stats than Diggs put up this past season. His numbers were eye-popping. The first Bill to ever lead the league in both catches with 127 and receiving yards with 1,535. He shattered Eric Molds' single-season franchise records for both those stats in the process. More importantly, though, he was incredibly consistent. I want to say he had six or more catches in all but one game last year. In the playoffs, when real primetime heroes come to play, he played through a major oblique injury and still caught 20 passes for 311 yards and two touchdowns in their three playoff games. An unbelievable performance for Stephon Diggs. As much faith as I have in Brian Dable to make this offense not miss a beat, if you took Diggs out of the equation, there is no way the Bills' aerial attack is anywhere near as lethal or potent if Diggs isn't out there. I agree 100% with that. And to people that underscore the oblique injury, understand that your oblique basically runs from your hip up to your underarm. So any sort of adjustment you make as you're running, turning, stretching, reaching, your oblique is engaged in every single movement. It is an incredibly painful injury to have. And that is an injury that you saw a couple of years ago kept Aaron Judge off of the field for the New York Yankees and also was an issue with uh, Luke Voigt, another New York Yankee, because you just can't play with that. Yet he found a way and he excelled. I mean, he was borderline unguardable. I mean, the entire season Really, he was unguardable. Josh Allen's passer rating when going to Diggs was 117.5. Oh my God. 117.5. That's what Josh Allen did last year with Stefan Diggs. His catch percentage was 78.4, fourth best among the wide receivers. Again, 
teams know that Allen and Diggs had to get going for the offense to click. And despite knowing that he was the number one option, Diggs was unguardable last year. And you know what? What makes me love Diggs even more is that iconic picture from Arrowhead after the Chiefs beat the Bills in the AFC Championship game. Diggs is standing there, the only Bill still watching the Chiefs celebrate. You know he's soaking Mm, all that mm -hmm. in, being like, all right, that's going to be us next year. We're going to be hosting the AFC Championship game. We're going to be going to the Super Bowl. This game will motivate me. I love me Stephon Diggs. He's my pick. I, I love that image because you sat there and you said, oh, damn, this guy wants it bad. This guy wants to win, and he's going to make sure. He, you, you know what he was doing? He was making sure that he had nightmares about that moment. He wasn't going to miss it because he wanted to cry himself to sleep over thinking about the chief celebrating the way he wanted to be celebrating. Yeah. I'm glad he's on our team. Sign me up all day long. The Bills won that trade. You will not convince me otherwise, no matter how great Justin Jefferson turns out to be, who coincidentally does have an injury uh, that he dealt with that I think is going to keep him out for most of the 2021 season. But Diggs, remember when he was lot, he was uh, scorned for being a, a bad teammate and a sourpuss? Yeah, that was all bullshit. <laughs> and a diva and yep. Yeah, that was a guy who was unhappy where he was and I guess let people around know it. So I hope the Bills can keep him happy. And I, I think with the quarterback he's got, that's not going to be a problem. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Now, I went first when we were talking about the most indispensable offensive players. I think we owe it to you to let you go first when it comes to talking about the most indispensable defender on the Bills. I love it, Jamie. I would have been fine either way, but I am happy to throw out my name. And for me, look, the Bills defense, there I could make a case for both of the guys that I have on my list here as being the most indispensable. But to me, the conversation starts and stops on trade day, Tredavious White. And it's, it's, it's twofold. It's kind of the same reason Deion Dawkins is such a slam dunk candidate on offense. It's both what Trey White brings to the table and the lack of an established pecking order behind him. If Trey White... If anything happens to him, the Bills now are faced with Levi Wallace being their number one, with Dane Jackson being their number two, or some other, you know, I mean, you're talking about bringing up, you know, (laughs) Warren G's kid to maybe be seeing some snaps as a nickel corner and Taron Johnson getting elevated from the nickel to being a number two corner outside. It's both a testament to how great Trey White has been and really the lat. Now, granted, no, very few teams out there have two all-pro corners. I'm not saying the Bills need to go out there and trade for a Jalen Ramsey 
to get that second lockdown corner. But Trey White, what he does on the field and the effortless way in which he covers the best wide receiver threat for the opposition, I mean, it allows the defense to say, you know what, we know they're not going to challenge Trey on the left side, so let's shift a little bit more help towards the right to make Levi look better and play better outside. He's one of the best corners in the game. He's a fantastic cover corner. He's good at both the physical and the speed game. Trey White's my guy. No arguments here, and I think you especially hit on something when you talked about the lack of depth because – who is going to be the number three outside corner? Is it somebody you even want on the field at this point? Is that person even on the roster right now? Because I can very much see them going out and trying to find somebody off the waiver wire to back up Levi Wallace because, you know, Dane Jackson, he's still young. He's still raw. He's got some work to do. Uh, he may not be ready to step up into a starting role quite yet. And Trey, all day, man. I mean, he's an all pro. He's one of the top five corners in the league, depending on the season. How how do you go away with him from him? Well, it, it's it's and I, I I do want to. I know it was a slam dunk pick, but I want to give some more background on Trey. Not that our audience needs it, but the fact that Trey is so intimidating, despite the fact that he doesn't really break up a ton of passes. Again, because teams don't challenge him that much. He only had 11 pass breakups last year, according to pro football reference, but he is such a a nuisance. He's such a pest when it comes to high pointing the football, when it comes to breaking up and getting in your grill, guarding the receivers. I mean, you, you have to make an above average difficult throw to even try to get a completion against Trey white. I mean, he is just such an amazing lockdown corner out there that If you take him out of that defense, man, I'm afraid for what Leslie Frazier would have to face when it comes to replicating and filling in. He's confident. He backs it up. And here's the thing, too, Jamie. I I know we're doing this on on on-field ability, but you've got a kid from the South, an all-pro standout at LSU, who has completely embraced the snow, the cold, and the climate of Buffalo. He is the opposite of Stefan Gilmore in every single way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, that guy turned out to be quite a diva, didn't he? You know, he he did, and now he's playing his diva ways in New England, and I couldn't be ha- it couldn't happen to a worse team and a worse head coach than Bill Belichick. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to go with either Trey and then I I thought I was going to go with Jerry Hughes as my most indispensable defender because Jerry Hughes has been great year in and year out. He's by far the Bills best defensive lineman. He was second in the NFL in pressure rate. And I thought that was worthy of a nod, but that's not who I'm going to go with here. I am going to go with Micah Hyde as my most indispensable defender. Wow. I'm not not surprised. It's no slight at Micah Hyde because he is phenomenal. He is such a – he's a criminally – underrated safety as is Jordan Poyer. But wow, I, I, I do tell Jamie, give me give me the argument for Micah Hyde being the most indispensable. In Micah Hyde's first season with the Buffalo Bills in 2017, when he was a pro bowler, he had 82 tackles and five interceptions. Since then, his interceptions have gone down to two in the season after that, and then one per season 
since. Why is that? Why the decrease? Here's why. Offenses have completely changed the way they attack the Buffalo Bills defense because of Micah Hyde. Teams no longer challenge the deep middle of the field because of the skills that he brings. He has such good ball awareness, ball tracking skills. He is an interception waiting to happen. And watch watch the games. Game in and game out, the opposing quarterback will not go down the deep middle of the field and it's 100% because of Micah Hyde being back there and if you can completely change the way an offense plans for their games you are an impact player and to me that makes you indispensable that argument is is tremendous I mean and I, I guess I've forgotten a little bit not about the greatness of Micah Hyde because let's be honest he is an incredible player but the interceptions dropping because teams aren't going deep and over the middle of the field is a really important factor to consider, as is the range and coverage ability that Micah Hyde brings to the equation. Uh, we talked about the, the passer rating of Josh Allen when throwing to Stefan Diggs, and it was 117.8, which is just astronomical. Micah Hyde's passer rating against last season, 67 he allowed only one total touchdown in coverage last year and a 67 passer rating. I mean, my God, that that's lockdown safety if I've ever heard of it before. Where do you get your amazing statistics? Uh, this thing called the interwebs. They have it on computers. These No, I, I will say, uh, and, and, and Jamie, uh, I, the reason I'm able to respond pretty quickly, I'm not just Dustin Hoffman Rain Man when it comes to these stats <laughs> out here. I, I save all of our documents that have my show prep from past podcasts. So when you said Micah Hyde, I punched up my state of the safeties notes from back earlier this spring. And that nugget was there about the passer rating again. So I'm not that good. I need to learn a thing or two about organization from you, man. <laughs> I mean, I had that off the top of my head. Who doesn't know the passer rating against the number one safety in the league at a whim like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're good at what you do, man. But anyway, yeah, I also like Micah Hyde as a, as a team leader. Do you remember when they made the playoffs a couple of years ago? He was the one standing right in front of the television who, you know, couldn't get enough of watching the uh, the Bengals, uh, the Bengals game when they scored that touchdown. He was leading the cheers. I, I just I like everything about the guy. You mean when a uh, Buffalonian adopted quarterback Andy Dalton found Tyler Boyd on that fourth down touchdown pass and Kyle Williams is hugging everybody in sight. And that was such a pure moment of euphoria. And you're right. Micah Hyde is a leader. He's an unquestioned playmaker. And that's one of the reasons why this Bills defense, if the reports are true out of camp of how great Greg Russo is looking so far and how Mario Addison seems to have a fire lit under his keister for this upcoming year and Jerry Hughes bringing back his skills, man, if the pass rush can get better than they were last year, how are you going to throw and score against this Bills defense? I mean, they are just <laughs> You said keister. <laughs> Well, for the one or two kids that are out there listening, I didn't want to drop the other word for that. But yes, but oh man, no, it's a good it's a good bring with uh with Hyde out there, and and I hope fans understand the the point of this exercise uh, to go through and again find the non Josh Allen Bill who is the most essential, the most indispensable 
to this team. And I think if we've learned anything, Jamie, from our conversation, it's that there's several really good answers and the Bills are so fortunate to find themselves having as much talent up and down the roster as they do, where you could easily make the case for many players taking that claim of being most indispensable. There are positions on the team that need improvement. However, this is a roster that was constructed to compete with the best in the NFL. And once you get to that point, yeah, there's a lot of choices, a lot of choices. And I I like the four that we landed on. You're not going to have many arguments from me if you go Deion Dawkins, Stephon Diggs, Trey White, and Micah Hyde. I know you gave honorable mention to Jerry Hughes. I thought hard and long about Matt Milano potentially being one of the guys mm-hmm. I included given his run defense abilities and how he's great at covering opposing tight ends. But those kind of seem to me like the JV version and our four. I'm very happy with where we landed on those. I'm with you, but I would also like to hear the thoughts of uh, other folks. So please add us on Twitter. Um, you're at John Boccasino. I'm at the Jamie D'Amico. And also comment on the article, too. Let's keep the conversation alive. Please, let's not let this die right here on the podcast. We love your feedback. Jamie, always love it. You brought it. Good topics, good energy, and uh, great thoughts, man. Thank you, buddy. Couldn't have done it without you. Can't wait for next week's random obscure trivia fact and question here on Believe with Jamie D'Amico and myself, John Boccasino. Again, get involved comment on this article, get at us on social media. We love to hear from our fans here on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.